in Jesus' name. You know, some people will say, much ado about nothing. What is it? It's not another day, uh, Christmas. It's another day, but I enjoy it. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, it's another day, but let's enjoy it. And if the, if the whole world is happy, why should I not be happy? After all, the Bible says, you know, uh, uh, it, it brought uh, good tidings of great things. Yeah. Joy to the world. Our king is born. Your joy will be, will be full. Amen. And nothing will be taken away from it. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. We started a, a series of teachings um, last Sunday. Uh, well, not a series, just a two-part series that I called Follow the Star. And uh, this morning, I'm just taking the conclusion of that message. Uh, so if you care about the title, I call this Follow the Star 2. Yeah, not a second star, it's just a second message. There's only one star. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So as, a, as um, a way of recap, we said last Sunday that a star is a symbol of hope. A star is a symbol of hope. For many of us, this year may have gone, you know, this way or that way. For some people, this year has been a ball, and many things have worked out. And like, you know, the... Uh, the, the, the song now that uh, people are using the word to make fun on social media is for somebody it has been party after party, you know. Yeah, just, 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 it's been, it's just been a ride. It's just been having fun. Yeah, just having fun. For some other persons, it's been uh, maybe a year that's like a budding. Yeah, it's like a wake me up year. I, I think I'm dreaming. Things can, should not be this bad, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, whatever it has been, or maybe things, there's just been a lull and nothing is happening, it's, it's been stagnant, whatever it is. If it's, if it's about the calendar year, there's good news. The year is about to be over. <laughs> That's for somebody who just wants the year to be over. But for somebody who has been having a ball and said, no, extend this year. Uh, it looks like there's something great about this year. Whatever it is, I want you to know that God is the one that's in charge of times and seasons. And like we said last Sunday, um, God has a plan. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And he wants us to follow his plan. So we started uh, this teaching last Sunday from Matthew chapter 12, sorry, Matthew chapter 2, uh, from verse 1, we read a story of the, 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 the Magis, the, 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 the wise men from the east that came to give Christ gift. But they followed the star, uh, followed the star, the, 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 they watched carefully, and they followed after the star to look out for this child that has been born. The Bible says, in Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1, just for the sake of emphasis, I would, I'd love to just read it again and uh, for somebody to be able to follow this message well this morning. I know we dwelt on this a bit last Sunday. It says, now after, verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. We said that the star was a symbol of hope. The wise men did not know the promise of God to Israel, but they knew that they saw something that portends hope. They knew that they saw something that looks extraordinary. 
They knew that something has happened. They understood that a child has been born. That this, this child is not ordinary. You know, Isaiah chapter 9, you, you, you read about the Messianic prophecy. Unto us a child is born. I think verse 6, there, unto, unto us a son is given. The kingdom shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, uh, uh, Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, you know, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his kingdom and uh, you know, government. The Bible says there shall be no end. And th these were prophecies that came um, well over maybe a couple of centuries before Christ was born. Between Isaiah and uh, the Messiah <laughs> was a long time. And, you know, we, we have to give credit to the Jews because they kept records. They kept records. They were very painstaking about God's promises. Yeah. They were painstaking about God's promises, and that's what a lot of Christians uh, don't have again today. And you, you see a bit of that again in this Matthew chapter 2, when the Magis got to, to, to around Jerusalem, and uh, uh, they were asking, they went, I mean, they went to meet the king, and they said, you know, we've seen a star, um, a king is born, you know, and all that. And the king was confused, because he was like, uh, somebody's going to take over my government. And then he started to ask, and he went to ask, you know, the, the scribes, the people they called the scribes, the people who knew what had been written, who have kept record. Where is the place where they said the king shall be born? I mean, in verse 3, the Bible says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they kept the promise. A Messiah was going to be born. They kept the record. When he tried to find out, they said, and, and, and this was written in Micah chapter 2 or so, or, or is it Micah chapter, I think it's Micah chapter 2 uh, and, and verse, Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of, Judea, of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. You can search if you want to be, I mean, if you just want to just enjoy Bible history, you can search a bit to say what's the, what's the what, num, what, what, what number of decades or centuries do we have between Micah and the birth of Christ. That gives an idea of how long they've held on to the promise of the fact that a king was going to be born, was going to be born from Bethlehem of Judah. That's the place where the king was going to come from. So when the wise men came from the east and Herod gathered the scribes and gathered uh, the wise, I mean, the, 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 the priests, the high priests and, and the scribes together, they were able to trace to say, this is it. This is what was written. I'm saying to somebody here this morning that the star was a symbol of hope. And when we talk about hope, we talk about God's promises to you and I. Because our hope is anchored on his promises. The symbol, is a, the star is a symbol of hope. It shows that there's a promise to pursue. Be it the promise of deliverance, of salvation, of turnaround, of realignment, of a new season. There's always a promise to pursue. That's what the star stands for. A promise to pursue. Can you help me tap your neighbor this morning? What promise are you pursuing? What promise are you keeping at heart? 
What word has God spoken to you in the last five years that must come to pass? Glory be to Jesus. Even the wise men, when they saw the star, it took them time to pursue the star. Let alone the, the Jews that have been waiting for hundreds of years. By the time Herod would give the order, when the wise men had left, you, you know the story. You know where we dwell is that they brought gift to Christ. <laughs> but how the whole arrangement happened, a lot of the time, within, and the, I mean, the gifts are significant and they meant many things, and I know many of us have heard messages on that before. I'm not dwelling on that this morning. But how painstaking they were at following the hope that is in Christ. That's what we're talking about this morning. So that somebody who is about to throw in the towel, somebody who is living in deep discouragement can wake up from that discouragement this morning knowing that your hope is not in vain and that the word of God portends power, power for self-actualization. It can actualize itself, but God wants you to stay in hope. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Israel was waiting. These other guys just saw the star. And because they were trained astrologers, they knew that this must be something. And we need to follow it. A king has been born. Somebody significant has come. God has done something extraordinary. By the time Herod would say they should kill um, uh, the kids, he said between, I think, six months and two years. That shows us that from what he told him, it must have taken them within that period to travel from wherever they're coming from. You know, a lot of the time when we do the, the Christmas story, the wise men came and met him at the manger. They didn't meet him at the manger. Read your Bible very well. Uh, they didn't meet him at the manger. They went to the house. Yeah. The house where the child was. That's where the star stopped. <laughs> Are you still with me? And that's why the king said, you know, uh, let's extrapolate. Maybe it will have, this child will have been born between um, 6 to 18 months. So any child around that, just deal with them. Yeah. So that we're sure that this throne is secured. Since they said he's the king of the Jews. Glory be to Jesus. Job 14, verse 7, 8, and 9. Let me read that this morning as I lay out on it. That's, uh, I mean, we stopped somewhere last Sunday, and I just want to continue from there. I hope somebody's up to speed right now. Job 14, verse 7, 8, and 9. He said, for there's hope. For a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its roots may grow old in the earth, and its storm may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water, somebody say at the scent of water. Oh, say it again, say at the scent of water. The Bible says at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. There's something about trees. Uh, that from season to season, they look different. Especially in the parts of the world where they have uh, different seasons that are marked by time. You know, in the tropics here, we probably just have like two seasons. Like by climate change now, there's no Amatan again. So 
We can't say there's a season of Ramadan. Is it that it's raining or it's not raining? Am I saying the truth? Yeah, is it that it's raining or not raining? Because if it's not raining, then it's sunny. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're in, here in Lagos. But in some other parts of the world, you, you have like four seasons. One of the ways you see the change of season, apart from the weather, is a tree. Yeah. During winter, you see trees, they look like they're dead. No leaves, nothing, all stripped completely. Uh, even trees feel the cold. <laughs> it looked like, you know, they're dead. And then all of a sudden, when that season is over, what do you see? You see, like, fresh leaves, you know, just, just coming up. The Bible says there's hope for a tree, even when it is cut down. So far, the stump is still there. So far, the root is still connected. It's just a matter of time. It will sprout again. And from season to season, it looks like certain trees are no longer alive. It looks like certain dreams are dead. It looks like certain aspirations are no longer, you know, worth pursuing. But nothing can be further from the truth when God has a plan and is following his plan, is just waiting for you to remain in hope and to follow that plan with him and you see some new things happening in your life. Say amen, somebody. So like Job, you may have gone through a lot of hardship and disappointment this year. Like Job, at a point in his life, when he wrote this in Job 14, his marriage was upside down, he's lost uh, um, his, his children, you know, lost his family, many things have happened, but the man was still you know, clinging to hope and still trusting God that something, you know, in spite of the hardship, something is still going to come alive. Something is still going to come alive. Many times as we pursue the promise, we will face obstacles. We'll face obstacles. We'll face obstacles. When you think about the wise men that came following the star, apart from the distance, uh, even at some point, they, they missed their way. They had to ask and they said, oh, okay, it's Bethlehem. And then, uh, then they saw the star again, and they, they followed again, and then they walked through until they saw that the star stopped somewhere. So there will always be twists and turns. God, God's word has power to achieve what God has proposed, but in life there will be twists and turns. And when we go through that, sometimes it looks like nothing is happening. You know, the reason why I want somebody to take this message very seriously this morning is that the atmosphere with which you enter a new year may be the atmosphere that determines how the year is going to pan out for you. As I'm speaking right now, somebody may be here, like somebody may be watching online, that this December or this last quarter of the year or this half year has just been somehow for you. In fact, you cannot really say again that you are open for anything in certain areas of life. Yeah. Your story is like the story of wherever the wind carry me in this area, it's okay. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I just won't bother myself again. But you know, when there's a scent of water, like we read in, in Job 14, what starts to happen is that hope starts to come alive. 
something starts to happen differently. Your excitement is renewed. You start to see, you know, like a gleam of light, like a, 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 a ray, you know. You, you start to see something differently. Something starts to bubble, you know, from within. Because except you get to that point, as you move into the new year, what happens is that that, that cloud, that cloud of gloominess, that it, it just remains there, and it's your responsibility to push it. Somebody say, I will push. Or tell your neighbor, it's time to push. Yeah, it's your responsibility to push it, to just push it away, to force it away. I mean, on Friday at the Reset Prayer Gatherings, we're praying over atmospheres and pushing, and we're going to do a lot more of that even as this season and as we move into the new year, because there are certain atmospheres that must not remain around your life. Yeah, must not go into the new year, which must not remain around your life. You, you have the right, you know, uh, a man of God once said this, that you may not have power to determine whether a bird will fly over your head or not, as in just be flying in the sky. The sky is big enough, birds can be flying. But to perch on your head, and to want to nest there. And then <laughs> to lay eggs. Because <laughs> the way some people, it seems for some people now, you have allowed the bird to perch. Now the bird is nesting and laying eggs. It's about to start hatching. <laughs> yeah. So this gloominess is becoming multiplied. One is giving birth to another. Anxiety has given birth to worry. Worry has become panic attack. Now it's insomnia because it's now difficult to sleep. Is that you have allowed the thought of hopelessness to stay for too long, a thought of discouragement to stay for too long. And it's your mind, it's your head. You can do something about it. That's what I'm saying this morning. You can do something about it. You know, the devil lies to us sometimes and say, this situation that you're going through is too strong. Even if it happens to an angel, the angel will crack. You know, so you are, you are, you are, you are trying, you, you have cracked, but it's okay. You know, and you just tell yourself, ah, you know, somebody cannot be going through all this and it will not show. I've tried. I have to show it. Everybody has to know that some, everything is not right. Yeah. And sometimes it can be that serious. But some other times it's not that serious. It's just what we have allowed. It's just how we have seen things. It's just what we have permitted. It's like permitting a bird to nest on your head, to build a nest on your head, permitting a thought to stay on your mind until the thought is now laying eggs there to multiply, and multiplying to many things. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. So whether you are standing on a past, present, or future promise, have the posture and understanding that God wants to give you victory. Our posture must be that God wants to give us victory. That God wants to give us victory. Glory be to Jesus. Can you help me wake that sister up? I thought she was enjoying my message, but it looks like she's sleeping. Yeah, wake her up. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> I'm a good pastor, right? <laughs> yeah, because the message, this message is a great message. I don't want anybody to miss out of it. Yeah. 
So look around for if there's anybody that look a bit. I said the Holy Ghost is upon you. Have energy. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. God is dealing with discouragement this morning. He's dealing with your anxiety this morning, and He's saying, "I've gone ahead of you into 2020 to make the crooked path straight." And you must receive this message in your heart this morning and believe it. And know that God's promises, the Bible says, are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. It's just looking for somebody who will not lose sight of the star. And who will not cave in because of adversity. Glory be to Jesus. What to do as you step into the unknown. What to do as you step into the unknown. I've stepped into what you call the unknown a few times in my life. I'm going to go through just three points, but before that, I just want, wanted to say this. Because I was meditating on this message, and I, I remember a few things. Um, for some people here, this may resonate with you. Uh, December like this of uh, 2002, for instance, I already knew that I was going to get married in 2003. So... That December, I felt like as we move into this new year, the unknown of marriage, my life is going to change. I'm going to become husband or husband. I took my time to pray. And I'm saying this because of somebody who may be here today. Maybe the unknown for next year for you is that your title is going to change. You're going to become a dad or a mom or a wife for the first time. And sometimes you have not been able to figure everything out. I was studying something this week that suggests that 70% certainty is okay. You can move. It was a business book anyway. It's not the Bible, so don't quote me outside. <laughs> That's just 70% certainty is okay. If you have 70% certainty, you can move. The reason why many people sink into discouragement and all that is that we're not making decisions fast enough. You want everything to be perfect. The Bible says, either observe the wind, will not sow. Yeah. You want everything to be perfect before you take a step. And I was asking myself, have you heard God? Now that you have made up your mind, you have gone to do introduction and all that. Have you heard God? Did God say to you, you know, that you must marry that girl? That girl is listening to me now. But that's what, what was going on in my heart. Yeah. Has God spoken to you? You know, and I was telling myself, I didn't hear. <laughs> As in audibly. But I, I have a conviction in my heart. I have peace in my heart about this. I have peace in my heart about this. So stepping into the unknown with a bit of hesitation. But yet, moving. Because there's peace. Yet, moving. Because there's a conviction. Because sometimes, you know, we behave like Old Testament saints. You want to lay a fleece. And God, if it's you, uh, when I get to church tomorrow, let her come from the, the door, of, the third door on the left side. <laughs> For what? The person is in junior church. Eh? Working with children. Say so she should come, so angels should carry her and throw her to that side. So I go, oh. Go, go, go. It's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Don't make life that difficult. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. Don't make life that difficult. The same kind of feeling, December of 2009, November of that year, my pastor called me 
and said, God man, this our talk has been going on for a while. Maybe as at that time, maybe about two years. And he said, you know, God, God just started speaking to me that you have an assignment to the body of Christ. And I, th I think it's 2010 that that assignment will start. And I'm going to release you next year. You know, we'll be having that talk. And I stood in front of him, I was, I was glued to the floor. In my mind, I wanted to say, I the Lord, I'm sorry. Change my mind. As in God should speak to him. Because I, I was like, where's that coming from? Uh, this is November. Uh, this is the new year. And my life is about to change. And it's unplanned. How do you cope with that? How do you walk through that? How do you step into the unknown? If you have a promise of God, you can deal with the unknown. Are you still with me this morning? And like I said, if you do want to play God, you can't insist that God must speak to you a certain way or walk with you a certain way. You just have to be bold enough to shake away the atmosphere of fear, of anxiety, and worry, and say 2020 is a great year, so if I'm going to be a dad in 2020, if I'm going to be a grandfather in 2020, if I'm going to start a company in 2020, if I'm starting a ministry in 2020, God has gone ahead of me and is going to make everything work out for my good. So whatever is ahead, when we know that God has a plan and is working with us, then we'll gain some level of boldness to take the right steps, the steps that we need to take. So, for you to be able to walk into the unknown, first thing is that you need to be able to fight discouragement. You need to be able to fight discouragement. You need to be able to fight discouragement. All through the Bible, you see people, several people who fought discouragement. People who fought discouragement. Glory be to Jesus. He's able to fight discouragement. People, I mean, I don't know why God is bringing all this to my heart this morning. Just some of my own personal stories. Uh, um, about this time, three years ago, right, 2016 or so, December 13, we moved into this place, right? We had our first service here. Four years ago. Is it four or three? Oh, sorry, I, I'm not good with dates. <laughs> As you can see, 2015. Dr. FJ, you should remember. You, you are the one that bit. <laughs> you should remember. <laughs> Pastor JG. Okay, four years. So, uh, what today's days? 15 or 14? 15, yeah. So, it's just about four years ago. Now, that December and the November of that year, we were planning to move the church from number three, I mean, low there where Life One Church is, to this place. It's a bigger place, you know. That year, I battled all through how to enlarge my heart for bigger things. Yeah. Bigger things. Because I know things were going to scale up the moment we, got, we, we get into this place. And you know, it's like, you are selling something, and you have stored up your warehouse. The next thing is, who is going to buy? And you know, sometimes you sleep, and in your dream, you are, you are dreaming about customers. And then you wake up, there's no customer. But you have to still show up the next day, knowing that God 
has spoken to you that that's your next level. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying today. Yeah. But God has, I, I'm just trying to make this as practical as possible. In Genesis 15, Abraham had an encounter with God. God showed up to Abraham, and Abraham was saying, God, uh, what, will you, what will you give me seeing that I go childless? And Eliezer of Damascus is now the heir of my house. My slave is now the heir. And I've been holding on to this promise now almost 25 years. Almost 25 years. Can you give me Genesis 15, please? Yeah. Uh, verse 3. And you see how God started. Then, then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house, my hair. Holding on to the promise of God. And fighting discouragement. Abraham literally sought God here to be able to fight through that discouragement. Because, you know, he could have said, God, I'm discouraged, but I don't know what you're doing. He said, God, what, what are you doing? What are you going to do? What I want is the head that's born in my house. I have one, but it's not born in my house. His name is Eliezer. Yeah. But it's not born in my house. And God started to reassure him again. If you, if you take it further, you see God started to reassure him again. The Bible said, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your head, but one who will come from your own body. See, if that hope and promise was rekindled again. When you take time in God's presence this season, what happens is that uh, what was fading in your mind before becomes more vivid. That's what happened here. It's like you have a picture that has become faded. You can you imagine, uh, what kind of picture do you think Abraham, if Abraham had a picture? It would be black and white. They didn't have color those days. <laughs> and he has kept it for 25 years. By now... You will hardly be able to see what is in the picture. When you keep a promise for so long, it fades. Yeah, life happens to it. But when you get into God's presence, it's like you get a reprint. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, you get a reprint. You get a reprint. That's why you should spend time in God's presence this season. God wants to reprint the pictures that he has showed you in time past. You get a reprint of those pictures. It becomes brighter. He, the, 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 the words will sink in more. Hope is rekindled. God has given you a word concerning your children. Spend time in his presence this Christmas. And you see those words will come alive again. I don't care what the enemy is tormenting your mind with. The word of God over your family will come to pass. Amen. The word of God concerning your marital destiny will come to pass. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. The word of God concerning that new business will come to pass. Amen. Help is coming to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you need to be able to fight discouragement. In Genesis 28, you, you know, you read about Jacob. Jacob schemed everything he could do to get a blessing. But how can you get a blessing and become a fugitive? Yet he had to run. And he was running. In Genesis 28, he got to Bethel. And then God showed up. And renewed his hope. He woke up and said, ah, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And God did not have to say anything. He was the one talking, because something has happened. Hope has been rekindled. Now, going to Laban's house, or going to look for his uncle, he was going in hope. Because at that place in Bethel, in Genesis 28, he said, Lord, if you keep me as I'm going, like you have said right now, and you bring me back, 
He promised God a tithe. He had nothing. He anchored everything on the fact that God had spoken to him, and he went. That was why when he got into the house of Laban, though Laban was a terrible guy, was a supplanter, was another, you know, guy that runs things by unjust measures and changing his wages all the time, God was showing up for him. 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 Your brother was giving me a testimony here yesterday. Uh, I came for the, the, the teens concert. And um, he just, you know, he just saw me, oh, PJ, I've been looking for you. He said, you remember one time I came to see you and you told me that I should, I should just follow God's promises. And um, I mean, he was starting a business then. And I said, tie this business to kingdom. Make sure that there's something, a covenant between you and God, you know, with this business. This is how uh, uh, the Old Testament saints operated. They built altars and wells. Yeah. Altars, where you make a commitment to God, where you, you strike a deal with God, and then you go and dig your well. And then you see what will happen. <laughs> Brother gave me a fantastic testimony. He said, PG, you know, maybe I'll just write it down so that people, you know, I don't know if people see my face, I don't know what will happen. What, long story short, this was what happened. He just started a real estate business. And uh, as at the time he was talking to me, he said he wanted to scale, and I said, covenant with God. So he got a piece of property. I wish it's my testimony. Yeah. This is the time I get to, uh, uh, I, me to, I pause to tell God, give me my own. Yeah. Yeah. Give me my own. Give me my own testimony. See, this guy <laughs> said he got a piece of property, and then they were supposed to develop 21 houses on it. So he said he wrote a check. Um, a percentage of the cost of it. I don't know what percentage, but he wrote, said he wrote a check. Uh, and he said he wrote 21 checks. That as each house would be sold, already he had committed himself. I didn't tell him to do that, by the way. That was how he was led. I only just said, covenant with God. <laughs> he said... Each, as each house will be sold, a percentage of it was going to give it to God. You know. So he said, they got to a point where people have committed to 12 of the houses. And he was happy that, ah, this God is faithful. He said, all of a sudden, what happened? <laughs> Some guys just came. They didn't look like it or anything. And he said, they wanted the 21 houses. That if he could just return, you know, if he could ask for a meeting of all the people who had committed and explain to them, get another place for them, he would. He said he freaked out, he was afraid, because he had had an experience with EFCC before where he sold a property to somebody and was stolen money and money was traced to his own account and he had to go to EFCC and let them know that I sell properties, you know, that these are all the documents and all that, I'm not involved, and then they let go of him. So he said he's not doing that. He wants a proof that they're not politically exposed or anything like that. And the guys explained themselves, showed him what they do and all that, and he saw that they were clean guys. So he called a meeting for the people he had sold to. And only all of them but one person said, if you try it, I'm going to sue you. And then he said, okay, at least we have 11. <laughs> we're somewhere. I said, I prayed again, met the person again, and the person said, okay, uh, 
can we negotiate, have some incentive here and there? He said, the person is my fan now. So, <laughs> he said he just woke up and saw a lot in his account. 21 houses sold once. <laughs> I don't know what you are trying to do in 2020. I don't know what looks like it's not working. One thing that I know is that our God is still alive and well. Yeah, still alive and well. And there's a way to walk with him. That if your heart will just open to it, and that you will fight discouragement. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David had to fight discouragement. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. Everything had been taken away. The Amalekites came and burned down everything. Have you read the story before? They carried his wives and children away. All the, the wives of his fighting men, they go back and everything was burnt down. You must encourage yourself in the Lord like David did. And fight discouragement. What, what would have happened if Joseph in the Bible did not fight discouragement? That's Joseph the dreamer. After all that he had gone through, if he refused to fight discouragement, what would have happened? Have you asked yourself the question before? Because he would have given up at some point and just said, look, this trouble is too much. Somebody's here this morning, listen to me. You will not give up this season. Amen. I cannot hear your amen. amen. Also, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. The discomfort of the journey may distract you, but if you keep your eyes on God, you will reach the promise. Yeah. Just like the Israelites were distracted in the wilderness, and sometimes in life we go through wilderness experiences, but if we make up our minds, we're not going to be distracted. Distractions abound. You don't have to do more to be distracted. Yeah. Distractions are everywhere, just like the air that we breathe. Yeah. You just have to be unconscious of it. You're already distracted. You're already distracted. You just... I have to be mindful of distraction. Distraction has already entered. Yeah. So from all kinds of things, from, you know, from useless friends to useless hangouts and useless, you know, all kinds of, from social media to um, just being restless, all kinds of things, to engaging thoughts that are not real and unfounded fears and making up a future that is not aligned with the word of God. Yeah. Engaging thoughts about negative outcomes when God says, I'm going to work everything out for your good. Inability to disengage from a pattern can also lock somebody up in a corner. See, when a, when a pattern occurred because of, how do I put it? Because of your lack of tenacity of faith, you must not become a slave to that pattern. I don't know if somebody's following me today. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. A pattern of academic failure, for instance, because somebody has been unserious or has not been reading. <laughs> so if I now made up my mind to start reading, but I'm still afraid because I've failed three times before. Your relationship may not have worked. A single person listened to me this morning. And it may just be because you don't know how to do relationship. Now that you have bought my book, 
and you have started reading. Eh? Gauging readiness for marriage. You have read uh, uh, burning questions, flaming answers. If, if, I mean, now that you are reading materials and you are listening to counsel by honorable mentors who have a proof to show that marriages work, you must not, no longer be a slave to that pattern. Maybe it's just happening because of unbridled anger. Now that somebody is helping you to manage your anger, you can no longer be a slave to that pattern. Are you still with me right now? You must tell yourself something is changing around me and hope is coming alive. I'm not a slave to that pattern. Because that pattern becomes a, dis a, a distraction. So wait for instruction of the Lord and run with it. Run with it. Run with it. If you don't have any instruction you are running with for the new year, get one and run with it. By the time we come here on the 31st, everyone should have certain goals. Minimum of three. Maybe you can do up to ten. Things that you want God to do in the new year or that you want to be able to achieve with the help of God. We must put our heart to it and fight discouragement and fight distractions. God has a plan. He has sent a word ahead of you to address your situation. If you don't know the word, you will not know what to look out for. Yeah, you will not know what to look out for. That's why we have to seek him and, and make sure that we engage the word. Lastly today, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. When people are discouraged, they sometimes, you know, just decide to, to, to play safe. Yeah. I remember talking to um, a young lady once and said, uh, you know, as we're going to the new year like this, is about three or four years ago, and the lady said, PG, PG, let, let's not go there. I was just about to say, oh, so uh, are you trusting God for, you know, this new year, you're going to get married? So PG, let, let's not go there. Let's not go there. I've decided that it's not on the agenda. I said, why? He said, is you know the same thing we said last year? That God will do it this year. And now this is, December is almost ending. So what's the point? Let me just take it off the agenda and just, you know, wherever the wind carry me. That's not the way to behave as a Christian. If you met Abraham at the 15th year and he said, wind just carry me. That does not look like what happened in Genesis 15. Yeah, when he was still holding God. He said, God, I still believe. Somebody tell your neighbor, say, I still believe. I still believe. Tell somebody, say, I still, I still believe. God's faithfulness is not in question. Yeah, it's not in question. It's how we manage our hope. The Bible says in, in, in Romans 5, um, verse 5, the Bible says hope uh, does not lead to shame because the, the, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that God has given to us. Hope does not disappoint. It doesn't disappoint. It may take time, but it doesn't disappoint. It doesn't disappoint. So, to your hope, add faith. Faith gives substance to hope. The word of God is the anchor for your hope. So our hope is not baseless. You know, there's false hope that some people sell out there. When hope is based, anchored on the word of God, it's never baseless. It's not baseless. It's not false hope. It's not false hope. Let your hope and your faith be grounded in God's love because God loves you. God loves you. 
and he, he loves you passionately. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. God loves you. Keep hope alive. Fuel it by faith. And know the promise is coming. Know that the promise is coming. Somebody say after me, say, God loves me. So I will keep hope alive. I will fuel it by faith. And I know the promise is coming. I'll say it again. Say, I know the promise is coming. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. I want you to help me look at your neighbor again and tell your neighbor who you are becoming is more important than what you are going through. I'll say it again. Say, who you are becoming is more important than what you are going through. Can you put that last slide on for me? Who you are becoming is more important than what you are going through. If you look at this slide, you see different things that, that, that are happening there. To, to come out of that confinement and to come out to real life, it takes some effort to break through the shell. And that's what introduces you into this world, to become something new. Many people are too concerned about what they're going through they've lost sight of who they are becoming. When you lose sight of who you are becoming and you focus, put the slide there, please. Put it, leave it there. And you focus on what you are going through, it disrupts the process. Because what you are going through may be very painful. The process from, you know, caterpillar to butterfly will be a bit difficult. You have to push. You have to stretch. You have to but who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. That's what Jesus had to go through. Yeah. If you're a piece of clothing right now and they're cutting you, shaping you, if you're not fixing your mind on who you're going to become, a nice gown, yeah, nice, you know, <laughs> if it's just the cutting and the shaping, what some of us are wearing this morning, what the clothes went through, to become the beautiful outfit that you're wearing right now. The amount of implement they use to work on it, plus needle, plus cutting, plus stretching, plus weaving, before it then became what you can be proud of, say, I'm going to Elevation Church this morning, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you're looking good. <laughs> you know, in the first service, I sat at the back, CJ was preaching. I sat at the park. I was watching as people were coming to church. And I was just admiring our church members. Ah, people dress well in this church. People are, people are coming, you know, and all that. But, you know, the clothes that we wear, if you leave it, the best it can be is wrapper. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Something with which you just wrap yourself and, you know, or maybe bed cover or whatever. When it's shaped, become something that you are proud of to wear to anywhere, to wear to important places. But when you're cutting and when you're shaping, it looks difficult. That's why Jesus said in, in, in John 15, I am the vine. I mean, yeah. Uh, he said, my father is a vine dresser and you are the branches. Yeah. And he said, the one that he loves, he prunes. 
so that I can bring forth much more fruit. That pruning process is never easy. I want you to lift your hand to Jesus all over this place today. If you are watching online, do the same. And say, Lord, I accept every form of pruning, whatever I may have gone through in this passing year. I lay hold on hope and I declare this morning that my hope is alive and well concerning my family, concerning my business, concerning my ministry, concerning my academics, whatever it is, my hope is alive and well and anchored in you. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. Wave your hands to Jesus all over this place and just bless him, just bless him. Just bless him. Just bless him. Just bless him. Bless the name of Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Before I say our last prayer this morning, can you put this confession on? Let's, let's, let's do it together. Uh, a good confession that Pastor CJ wrote. And I, w- I want us to, to, to take it together. One, two, can we go say, I have hope. I'm a child of God. Joined to the living one. And connected to the source of life. Say, I carry the promise of the word of God for the season of my life. I am empowered by faith to run my race and stay on course. That's so good. We're going to say it again. Are you ready? Say, I'm empowered by faith to run my race and stay on course. So I'm living by the promise and overcoming obstacles. When I fall, I rise. When I'm weak, I'm strengthened. When I lose a battle, I rise from the ashes and forge on to victory. When my strength fails, I'm revived by God's spirit to manifest victory. Say, my father is the king of the universe. I'm an inheritor of the promise of Abraham. Born of the incorruptible word of God and full of life and faith. I have victory. Oh, okay, I, I jumped. Say, in 2019, I have been marvelously helped. In 2020, I saw further in God's strength. I have victory. My harvest is coming. My promises are becoming a reality. I have hope. I'm following the star to become a star. Say it again. <laughs> Somebody say it again. Say, I'm following the star to become a star. One more time, I'm following the star to become a star. If you believe in this morning, put your hands together, celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Lift your two hands with me all over this place. Father, we thank you for the preaching and teaching of your word today. Where your word is, there is power. So this morning, We ask that you charge every life here with your power. 
the power of hope, the power to rekindle faith. For everyone here this morning whose faith may have failed, we speak life to their hearts. We declare that hope is rekindled, faith is refreshed, and strength is renewed in the name of Jesus. And we declare that as we prepare to get into a new year, we go with strength. We go with grace in the name of Jesus. We keep our eyes on the star. We stand against distractions and we break the hold of distractions. Marital distractions, vocational distractions, relational distractions. In the name of Jesus, we break their hold. Spiritual distractions, we stand against them in the name of Jesus and we receive victory for everyone. In the name of Jesus, strength for victory. Strength to win every battle. In the name of the Lord Jesus, there's anyone here fighting invisible battles, battles in the dream, battles that cannot be explained. We stand on the authority in the name of Jesus Christ this morning, and we declare an end has come to that battle. Amen. Satan will rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We command every strange voice to cease in the name of Jesus. Amen. Strange movement in the body. We cut you short in the name of Jesus. Amen. We declare an end to it from this morning. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. tormenting thoughts and imaginations. I stand on the authority in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the blood of the covenant. I speak an end to every tormenting thoughts. In the name of Jesus, I decree that your heart is strengthened to walk in victory. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I command the hold of fear is broken. Fear of 2020, your hold is broken. In the name of Jesus, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, your hold is broken. Over our hearts in the name of Jesus, we stand in our victory today. And we rejoice in our portion, knowing that our God has gone ahead of us. So, Father, we celebrate you and we bless you for victory in the name of Jesus. Somebody put your hands together and celebrate Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.